Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Starts now. Hello. Happy Pride Month, everyone. We are back from a long weekend. Feeling good and energized because, you know... We should really have three-day weekends and four-day work days. Am I right? It's time. You know what I've noticed? Oh, here it goes. It's really interesting. You know, I love allies. Oh, I really do. Here it goes. But they're like, they get all the benefits of all of our wonderfulness. What and Shira is like getting all of these wonderful benefits of just being a part of our community, which I'm happy she's here. Don't get me wrong. She's an amazing are ally. You wanting, are you firing me right but, now? But... Shira really gets a lot of benefits. I mean, honestly, benefit one, oh. me being her friend. I was going to say, you get a lot of benefits from being my, me being your cause, being my friends. No, but we're talking about allyship okay, here. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Let's be clear. What else are you bringing to the table besides allyship? Snacks. <laughs> I'm feeding all of you. I'm just like, you know, um, I'm, I'm super excited though because, uh, She's honestly been my first introduction to, I feel like, what allyship really looks like, if I'm being quite honest. Not to make it about her, because here we go, centering her again. But I I think it's really important to highlight highlight that, because I think oftentimes you hear people talk about it, it sounds performative, you see the actions, but I, I genuinely do feel that she's the first real ally that I feel like I have come in contact with. Oh, this is surprising. This was not part of the It opening. wasn't. It wasn't at all. Actually, I was planning on doing something totally different. Look at you. But now I'm evolved. <laughs> Everyone's like, four-day weekend, Ryan is a lot wow. nicer. <laughs> four-day? It was three days. Oh. Well, see, was I, was I? No, I wasn't off on Friday. It felt like I had... I partied with friends on Friday night, so it was kind of like... But no, let's let's get back to what you said. I... I Thank you, and I shout out to it. all the allies out there, though. Seriously, totally. um, but seriously, though, um, it's not about you anymore. It's about the queers. This exactly. month is ours, and we're gonna rock it. I'm so happy. I feel like I have a gay superpower this month. Um, there's so many amazing things that are happening for Channel Q, for me hosting some really cool stuff. So I'm excited. You know, so stay tuned because we got guests, we got great music, mm-hmm. we're gonna be mm-hmm. doing crazy events, announcing things, <gasps> lots going on. 
Actually, really quick, I'm going to announce this really quick before we get into what's trending headlines. So during Pride Month, Ralph's and Food for Less are partnering with Channel Q and the Los Angeles LGBT Center to help fill the fridge for homeless LGBTQ plus youth and seniors in need. This is the amazing things I'm talking about. Please text FRIDGE, F-R-I-D-G-E, to 20357 to donate to the Los Angeles LGBT uh, pantry. Donations doubled by Ralph's and Food for Less. Um, I think this is a moment where if you're like, what can I do to support and show what real allyship looks like and be like more like Shira, just text FRIDGE to 20357. And hopefully people fridge know is like a weird. Fridge. I'm like, why is that? Why is that the text code? Just text food. They didn't, was pride not available? Yeah, let's not get people confused. Okay, um, yeah, we have a big show coming up. Uh, we're gonna be talking about tennis star Naomi Osaka's exit from the French Open, bringing up a very important conversation around mental health in the sports world. That's at 3:35 p.m. Pacific, 6:35 p.m. Eastern. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Uh, President Joe Biden recognized Pride Month today, saying he will not rest until full equality for LGBTQ plus Americans is finally achieved and codified into law. Uh, and that is a big deal considering our last president didn't even acknowledge pride. NBC Out will be joining us to talk more about the administration, what they've done so far and what's ahead in 10 minutes. Uh, but also, uh, President Biden was in Tulsa today to commemorate 100 years since the Tulsa race massacre, where 300 people were killed by a white mob, 300 black people uh, by a white mob in the roughly 24 hours of violence. And 35 blocks of the Greenwood District were destroyed. And here he is uh, sharing more today. The events we speak of today took place 100 years ago. And yet, I'm the first president in 100 years ever to come to Tulsa. And this, I say that not as a compliment about me, but to think about it. 100 years and the first president to be here during that entire time. And in this place, in this ground, to acknowledge the truth of what took place here. And he also used the time to announce new actions to reduce the racial wealth gap. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so Ellie Kemper. Y'all know her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a, also a friend of the show. We've had her on. Uh, it was like a cute little interview. Um, she's from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Uh, the Netflix show. Well, she is in some hot water, and I wonder when she's going to speak out. It is time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So follow me here, because this all was kind of a breaking news broke this morning. So a photo showing Ellie Kemper attending a ball believed to be linked to a white supremacy group has resurfaced, prompting critics to basically accuse her of this racist behavior. So she became the subject of scrutiny uh, when the image of her being named the Queen of St. Louis Veiled Prophet Ball as a teen back in 1999. Oh, actually, she wasn't. To be honest, people are saying she was a teen, but also there were some reports saying that she was also in college during this time. Um, so basically, the Veiled Prophet Ball is a secret fair originally formed in 1878 by elites to honor the ritual of Mardi Gras. And of course, it is reportedly associated with white supremacy. The Veil is said to be uh, dressed, the Veiled Prophet is said to be dressed with a white clan style hood and oh. robe while armed uh, with a pistol and rifle. Um, and so there's photos of her that just kind of got leaked of her like being a part of this ball, winning this ball, 
and all of now its ties to said boss. So now the, here's the thing. Some people are, you know, defending her saying, well, what if she didn't know about the ties, all of these things? But then also people are saying, well, she seems like she was a grown woman at the time and I think it's pretty much known once you do the research, the ties of where this ball was. So I don't know. It's it's really interesting that Ellie Kemper played on a show where it was like she was running away from this kind of cult-like lifestyle and then <laughs> and tried to pretend like it didn't happen. And it actually, guess what? Plot twist. It's, it was her real life. So who She was a veiled knows? prophet queen? Yeah, she that was a veiled. kind of disturbing. I mean, sounds very white supremacist Barbie. Um, so I'm not really sure if she's going to speak up about it. No rep has said anything about it. This story will develop. And of course, um, we got more T-Report stories coming at you this hour. Well, next hour. Okay. Yeah. Just looking at those photos or that article is strange. It's, it's actually really strange once you dive into it. Yeah. Head over to wearechannelq.com to check it out. Okay. Well, coming up as Biden acknowledged pride this month, how much has the administration done for the community and what more do advocates hope for? That's next with NBC out joining us. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. President Biden recognized Pride Month today in a presidential proclamation Back with us is Joe Yurkeba, associate editor, NBC Out, as we dive into this. Thanks again for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and happy Pride. Happy Pride to you as well. (laughs) So how big of a deal is this, considering how Trump approached uh, Pride in the LGBTQ plus community? Uh, It's a pretty big deal. Um, You know, during Trump's presidency, he only recognized Pride Month once, and that was only on Twitter. Um, There was no official proclamation like what Biden has done. And uh, he pointed at that time to his administration's efforts to help other countries decriminalize homosexuality. Though when he was asked about those efforts uh, at another time, he said, I don't know. That was the exact quote. Um, So the difference is pretty stark here, and it's a pretty big deal. It is a pretty big deal, and I don't want to downplay it, but I also still feel like it's the bare minimum. So what are LGBTQ organizations, you know, saying are wanting to, are doing to make sure that there's more than just making a proclamation? They're actually applying something that could tangibly affect LGBTQ plus people across the country. Yeah, um, LGBTQ people, particularly trans folks, are really calling on the Biden administration Um, to continue to push to pass the Equality Act, um, which would have a a really incredible impact for trans people. But they also are hoping that his administration will soon take action on this wave of anti-trans legislation that we're seeing across the country. Um, They also, you know, point out that trans people face uh, homelessness more often um, than other folks. And his administration still hasn't done a lot to address um, those like direct issues that trans people are facing. Um, so they're hoping to definitely see some more action um, from him on issues like that. And what about representation in the administration? This is supposedly the most inclusive administration ever. Yeah, yeah. He said that 14 percent of um, his administration identified as LGBTQ plus, um, which is pretty incredible. He also appointed um Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who is the first openly gay cabinet member, and then Assistant Secretary of Health Dr. Rachel Levine, who's the first trans person confirmed by the Senate. Um, So as far as representation goes, he's definitely um, taken some actions that are, are really powerful. 
Yeah, and I, I, I think it's so beautiful to, to see a uh, administration actually reflect the world and the times that we're living in. But I also wonder, especially moving forward, how do we kind of redefine what representation looks like um, you know, moving forward into the future, because hopefully the progression doesn't stop with Joe Biden. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. Advocates are talking about that a lot, how sort of representation is, like you mentioned earlier, the bare minimum. Um, and what we need now is to see, like, action to actually address the needs of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so hopefully that's something that we'll see potentially, you know, from Biden's Department of Justice in the next few weeks, which has a lot of power to take a stance on these um, anti-trans bills we're seeing. So, yeah, action is definitely the next step after representation. Yes. So how far are we from passing the Equality Act in the Senate? I know uh, Biden keeps on saying, like, you know, calling on Congress to pass it. But at what point will it move forward? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Back in March, advocates were telling me that we were closer than ever before to passing the Equality Act. And now that seems to have changed quite a bit. I mean, it's been stalled in the Senate for nearly three months, and it's unclear whether it will move forward at all. And even if it did, it's unclear whether it would get the votes that it needs from people like West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. And since there's an even split between Republicans and Democrats in the Senate, they would really need to make sure that they get um, all of the votes they could. Uh, so, I, I mean, you know, as a reporter, I think I can tend to be a bit of a pessimist, um, but the <laughs> odds don't look very good to me. And from what I'm seeing, advocates are also they're not losing hope, but I definitely think that it's a bit more of a fight than it was a few months ago. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Pete Buttigieg, of course, earlier, but let's talk a little bit about um, Assistant Health Secretary Rachel Levine. I, what, what is she up to? What is she going to be doing in her in this like new, really big position? Yeah, so she'll be pretty much overseeing. um, Right now, I think she's going to focus a lot on, like, COVID response. Um, She won't really have, um, she won't be able to take too much action on these anti-trans bills that we're seeing, which is, um, I think, important to point out because during her confirmation hearing, Republicans were asking her a lot of um, invasive, um, inappropriate questions about uh, that topic. So I think it's important to keep in mind that, like, Dr. Rachel Levine is going to focus a lot on, like, the most pressing health issues facing the country, which includes um, COVID. So that's kind of, I think, um, what her approach is going to be uh, for right now. Okay, well, that was Joe Yurkeba, associate editor at NBC Out. Thanks again for being here and hope to have you back as we celebrate Pride this month. Of course. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. I'm always fascinated uh, fascinated by these baby names lists. Like, what are the most popular baby name lists of the year? I don't know why you like these lists so much. Like, they do literally nothing for me. Something about it. It's like there's something I can grasp with a list. Why? Right? It's concrete. Is it? Yeah, there's things I could go through. One on top of the other. One, two, three, four, five. Sorry. Well, so there's uh, the baby names of 2020 are out. And it seems like there are some names in the past that have fallen off the list, right? And it's not surprising. They're names that get negative news coverage, like Katrina and ISIS. Well, the latest data from the Social Security Administration in the U.S. shows there's a new name that has moved away from the uh, top spot of the list. What do you think that name is? I don't want to guess it. I really don't. (laughs) It's Karen. Oh, well, duh. We talked about it. Yeah. In 2020, Karen fell 171 spots on the list to number 831. And that decline makes Karen the name with the 14th biggest decrease on the girls list in 2020. Marks its lowest ranking on the annual Social Security Administration since the year 1927. So basically, Karen is on the way out. And I don't know if you saw this video uh, someone did where she interviewed... Who was it? Was uh, was it uh, who's that black comedian we talked about last week? She uh, has a new show. She had the Instagram live series. She has the Showtime show. Well, I didn't talk to you about it. Oh, but Z-Way. Z-Way. Yes. Oh, it was with Sharp. Uh, well, did she, you just get us confused? I knew did it you was just get last both week. Your black co-host. <laughs> <confused? you>. <laughs> so, I just spoke about Z- how great of an ally Z-Way, you were. <laughs> um, t- spoke to all these Karens. Like real life Karens and how their lives have changed since yeah. everything going down. It's not good to be a real life Karen. Not just the behavior of a Karen, but a it real It wasn't life even Karen. Karens. It was just regular white people. I know, but it's associated with the name Karen. Oh, she did a segment on her show that with talked, real Karen. But it was it was more about what did they how did they feel? Yeah. You know, after being this Karen was this whole meme exactly. thing and then they had to navigate life as Karen. You know, Whoopi Goldberg's name is Karen. Her real name is Karen. Wow. Yeah, she didn't like it either. Even that was back then, before all this. No, I mean, it was actually recently where she talked about it. That's fascinating. During, like, last year when the whole thing was going on. Well, this is not a surprising event. You know, I I feel bad for the good Karens out there that are now getting thrown into this. Are there any good Karens? If you are a good Karen... Or you know a good Karen. Prove it. At LGT Show. How do they prove that they're a good Karen? You know, I don't have any friends named Karen. I don't know anyone named Karen. You do have other problematic friends, though, who should be named Karen. I'm just saying. No, they just need to be named, like, uh, what's a shorter version of a Karen, which means, like, they're not a full Karen, but they're just, like, halfway. <laughs> no, I, no, they're full Karens. You can't they're be half. Yet. You can't, Meaning, you can't be lying. a half. Why, why do you think you can be one foot in, one foot out? No, you. if you don't support certain things, you are full into it, Karen mode. No, it's it's more that they're learning. Like, no, I cannot believe that. Well, I just literally well, praised you for being a great ally Ryan, earlier. Ha- where I am now, was I that th- here? You five were a years Karen, ago? yeah, and no, you I dated a, a kid. Karen. You used to, you were a Karen who dated a kid, and we had a thing, and it, yeah, and you learned from me. 
But you learned some of those people who are still in your friend circles and the stories you tell they're, me, ju- they're they just are full learning. on Karens. I, they're not learning because they don't want to listen to you. Do you not have any uh, Karens in your life? Besides you? I'm not a Karen. <laughs> You, what about, do you work with your new Karens? No, no. You know, I, I don't want to surround myself with Karens because Karens um, have taught us that they um, will use their, you know, their whiteness to 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 do anything and everything. And to be honest, the examples of Karens out there are not good ones. So even if you are a good Karen, girl, it sucks to be you. That's what I'm talking about. I wonder but your how friends are Karens. Your friends are full on Karens. Just because you just don't want to give your friends up. No, I. Well, I also think that uh, we gotta go. By the way, my friends aren't the level that I'm at in terms of my knowledge base and understanding stuff like this. And they're getting humanity, understanding humanity. You even said that we're in a bubble. You were in Chicago, and you said, "Yeah, but even then, that's still a problem. That was family. I'm not saying it's not a problem. It's just I am able to still." Separate myself from my that that side of the family who are saying crazy things about misogyny and the patriarchy. Yeah, and I'm well, I have my older family, but my friends aren't at that level. By the way, I don't know. They're not. All right, she tells the stories all the time. Welcome to my life, by the way, on the show. (laughs) She doesn't want to get rid of her Karen friends. She loves them too much. Uh, At LGT shows where you can find us on social media is not true, but uh, I have the last. (laughs) It's true. Last thing, no. Coming up, could you be fired from your job for using Grindr? That's what one religious group is trying to do. More details next on what's trending this hour. It's true. That's not true. It's true. (laughs) Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show today, you know, tennis star Naomi Osaka is bringing up a much needed conversation around mental health in sports, how it could literally change the game That is in 30 minutes on the show. Really excited to talk about this topic. It's it's really important. And um, it's crazy with her just uh, announcing she's not going to be in the French Open. The controversy it stirred, the the conversation, how much backlash she got. It's ridiculous. It's not shocking. That's how they normally treat black women in this sport. But we'll talk more about that because... This is the only time I care about sports. Exactly. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Governor Greg Abbott from Texas has signed a new law to stop cities from defunding police. Of law enforcement, we do not demonize or defund them. Today, I'm proud to sign four separate bills that will stop cities from defunding police and that will do things like Major League Baseball claiming it had no right to move the All-Star game from Atlanta in protest of Georgia's restrictive voting law. This uh, Texas-based organization called Job Creators Network said thousands of hardworking ordinary men and women in the Atlanta area had been banking on this from uh, on proceeds from this year's All-Star game before that was taken away in the blink of an eye. Two months ago, MLB did announce it was pulling the All-Star game from the Cobb County home of the Atlanta Braves. Days after Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed into a law a bunch of Republican-backed restrictions, including requiring ID for mail voting and making it illegal to take food or water to voters in line. And finally, a lot of kind of unsexy news today, downers, but right-wing Christian groups in Texas are arguing in court that employers should be able to discriminate against workers who engage in, quote, homosexual or transgender conduct 
like using Grindr, visiting a gay bar, or having same-sex relations. This is actually what a Christian group is saying, uh, that you should get fired for doing any of these things. And District Judge Reed C. O'Connor, one of the most conservative federal jurists in the nation, ruled in January that the suit could go forward. According to advocates and activists, he is among the nation's most notorious right-wing federal judges and has previously ruled against the portion of the Affordable Care Act banning anti-trans bias in health care. He was against the Obama administration's guidance on how schools should treat trans students and against certain rights for married same-sex couples. So, yeah, Texas, you canceled. Figure it out! That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? You sure told them. (laughs) I can't swear. Sorry. Okay, so, you know, here's some early motivation from the Laverne Cox uh, that we should all be inspired by. It's time for the Tea Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So Laverne Cox is opening up about her journey to stardom. The actress explains, you know, how she nearly quit acting altogether before booking her now iconic role in Netflix's Orange is the New Black. Here she is talking about it in a new um, clip. And I was just so happy to have a job. I was in rent arrears um, on my apartment. I have owed back rent and I was in all kinds of debt. And I was going to give up acting actually a few months before I booked Orange. I turned 40 that year and hadn't had a breakout moment and I was in debt and just it, things weren't going the way I'd hoped they Wait, were. Wait, so you said you were going to give up? I was going, yeah, I was planning to um, go back to graduate school. My birthday is May 29th and when I turned 40 in May, I was like, okay, I, I was devast- I was just devastated by like turning 40 and my life was just kind of in shambles like financially and I had worked and trained a lot and my dream of being a working actor had not come to fruition and I was just like I got to do something else I mean who do I think I am I'm a black transgender woman no one's ever done this before let me go and do something you know have a real job or something so can we talk about how Laverne Cox said that she was 40 at the time when Netflix's Orange the New Black came out and then like now she looks literally like she's 25 like she looks she's aged back I don't even know how old she is and I don't even want to know at this point because it looks like she was just birthed you know, we've talked about this before, and I'm not to say I don't know anything about her wealth, but like the more uh, famous you get or successful, and plus if you're making some good money, you do get better looking. Yeah, that's all you need is and people aren't ugly. They just need we more money. They some maintenance. They just need more money. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, I, I've thought of when I get any money, I'm like, oh, I want to save it. But then I was like, I've been wanting to do my brows. Maybe I get some Botox. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yes, I, I love stories like this because it does show... That, you know, when you're in your 30s or you're hitting 40s, you're like, oh, it's over. But it really shows stories like hers that it's the beginning. You don't need to create those restrictions for yourself. It is the beginning for sure. Um, Now, that is my tea report. But before we go, I got to tell you about during Pride Month, Ralph's and Food for Less are partnering with Channel Q and the Los Angeles LGBT Center to help fill the fridge for homeless LGBT youth and seniors in need. So please text fridge, you know, the other word you call your refrigerator, fridge, F-R-I-D-G-E, to 20357 to donate to the Los Angeles LGBT 
pre-pantry. Donations doubled by Ralph's and Food for Less, which honestly, slay. You know, of course, thousands of elderly LGBT seniors don't have enough food to eat each month. Or, um, you know, and it makes a huge difference with the $25 donation to the Los Angeles LGBT Center, Pride Pantry, providing an entire week worth of groceries. Wow, just $25 can do that? Help us fill the fridge by texting FRIDGE to 20357 to donate. And, of course, Ralph's and Food for Less are doubling those donations, honey. So do what you can if you want to. Love you. Yes, love that. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Tennis superstar Naomi Osaka pulled out of the French Open, but did it have to end this way? Alex Reamer is back with us, digital content producer at Odyssey Sports and deputy managing editor from Outsports. Oh, former. Okay. Thanks for being here. <laughs> no, 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 no. Current, current. Don't worry. I still work there as well. Okay, Don't thanks. Worry. I wasn't sure. Now you have so many jobs now. Can't even keep up. I know. Well, I couldn't do it without you guys. Thanks for having me back. Oh, we appreciate that. Let's get into this because this has made major news. And this is the first time we've ever seen this happen. Can you go through what went down? Yeah. So, I mean, full disclosure, I'm not a tennis aficionado. But as you said, this is a huge story. I've been following it closely. So Naomi Osaka is one of the greatest women's tennis players in the world. She won in 2018. Um, but she pulled out of the French Open, one of the biggest French tournaments, part of what they call the, uh, you know, the, the Grand Slam, uh, one of the four big tournaments, because she says she didn't want to deal with the media pressures and, in particular, the press conferences and the press availabilities after the match. Uh, she pulled out of the tournament entirely after originally saying she would not fulfill her press obligations. And this turned into such a controversy because when Naomi Osaka said a few days ago at the start of the weekend that she was going to participate in the tournament but not do the press availability afterwards she got excoriated from tennis officials and for many ex-prominent players as well so on sunday she announced on instagram she was pulling out of the tournament entirely and she cited her uh, up to this point uh, they were not publicized but her ongoing struggles with mental health and depression as the prevailing reason why she uh did not want to do the media availabilities and why she ultimately has decided to pull out of this major tournament, the French Open. Yeah, I'm still not understanding the controversy here because it seems like someone's speaking out about how something in a system is kind of affecting them. And it, it, it would you would think tenet, like the tennis industry would kind of have seen um, what's happened over you know, the sports in general when it comes to just racial discrimination, things like that. But it, it oftentimes right. feels like tennis all, like uses like players of color, specifically black women, right. as examples yep. here. Um, can we talk a little bit about that? Because it, it yeah. just feels a little alarming to continue to kind of see that, that way of um, tennis just continuing the same way of being. Yeah, I mean, that... that- that's a great point, and Serena Williams is a great example of that. She has to explain away a lot of behavior that I think a lot of, that you know that she does in passion on the court in the midst of competition that a lot of men I don't think would have to explain. And to tie it back to Naomi Osaka, she actually beat Serena Williams in the finals a couple of years ago, and at least half of the questions she fielded in her post-match interview were about Serena and the behavior of Serena, and she was put in this really awkward situation where she kind of. She won, had her biggest more professional career, and she was asked about her opponent's behavior, someone who obviously she looks up to. So, and, you know, I think in general, the big controversy here, and this is not just tennis, but this applies to all of professional sports, is, you know, we're in a situation now where the writers, the journalists are no longer the gatekeepers. You know, Naomi Osaka can tell the world 
that she's struggling with depression on her own. She can do it through her own channels on Instagram. You know, athletes do not need the media uh, after the game or after the match, what have you, to to get publicity and talk to their fans through social media and other outlets. They can do it directly. So this has been happening across entertainment, including sports, but it's this big transition. And you see a lot of blowback from these leagues which do have media obligations inserted into contracts mm-hmm. for these players and athletes, and also from journalists themselves who uh, clearly see themselves being bypassed. And I also think real quick that the fact that Naomi Osaka is a woman of color, has been very outspoken about the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, I think that contributes to it as well. You know, over the last year, we saw all of these pro sports leagues and organizations give a lot of lip service to Black Lives Matter and publicly, at least through statements, say we support our black players, players of color, athletes of color. But now the fans are back in arenas. And what have we seen? We've seen a handful of really nasty incidents in NBA games. We have this thing with Naomi Osaka. It's almost as if there's like this backlash now against athletes who have spent the last year going beyond sports and speaking their minds. I think that's a component to this as well. You know, Alex, this is why I love you. You're like my favorite sports reporter because you yeah. make me so interested in what you have to say. So thank you for always doing <laughs> well, that. Well, that's a compliment. That's a, yeah, Especially that's a coming compliment. from yeah, me. <laughs> I know. You guys, I know, are not. Uh, yes, it is. Sports are, look, sports in a lot of ways, I always say, are a microcosm of life, right? And yes, there are the games and the trades and whatever, but... This is the stuff that uh, really piques my interest. Well, you make it more interesting. So thanks again. Uh, That was Alex Reamer, digital content producer at Odyssey Sports. Hope to have you back now that you're in the family. Anytime, guys. Happy to do it. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, But coming up, how Osaka's move will impact the future of mental health in athletics. That's next. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, tennis superstar Naomi Osaka's move to dropping out of the French Open is bringing up a much-needed conversation around mental health in sports. And back with us, it's been a while, we love having her on, is Dr. Alfie, who's a scientist normalizing BIPOC mental health, founder of the Acoma Project nonprofit, host of the Couch and Color podcast. She's amazing. Thanks again for being here for this convo. Always, always to my two loves, always. And I mean, I saw all your tweets about this this morning and we were like, we got to get you on because what went down and it seems like the aftermath of it is just so filled with sexism and racism. Yep. 100%. I'm so glad you said that, Sierra, because I don't I know that you two get it. And I, but I don't know that a lot of other people did. So people, I saw people tweeting, oh, well, Jennifer Capriati, first of all, that was a million years ago, right? No disrespect to Jennifer because I'm older than her. So 
um, it was a different time, right? And that was years ago, 25, 30 years ago. We really didn't have problems pushing 14 and 15 year olds out there and just, you know, letting these kids flame out without support. And that was just in a different time. And so the fact that people would even draw that comparison, I thought, first of all, that's like apples and moon pies. Like it's not even close to being in the same realm. But, you know, ultimately, Naomi did the right thing for herself. And that's the most important thing. And I think some folks had a hard time with that specifically. I think for me, it's also um, seeing other, like, you know, I guess, like, what's her name? Billie Jean. She's the uh, the tennis superstar. She, she, yes. she spoke out. And I think it's, it's so weird that we're starting to see, especially in other uh, of Naomi's colleagues, kind of reaching out to giving their perspective on this situation, where it seems like, well, because I had to go through it, you, of course, need to go through it. And it, it feels like, why can't we let go of that type of mentality why do we want everyone to kind of suffer in the same ways that possible other people have suffered before yes and brian you're like always spot on you and shira both it just makes me think of prince harry and how his father said the same thing to him i'm raising you all you raise chickens you rear children but i'm rearing you all the same way that i was reared and just because it's, that's what happened you doesn't make it right and i was you know, no disrespect to Billie Jean King or Martina Navratilova, but I was really disappointed in both of them, given that, the, you know, they have marginalized identities that when they were coming through, it was really hard for them. So to me, like, how do you forget your struggles be, having a marginalized identity and then put that kind of pressure on a 23-year-old young woman? And so I, just was, I agree with you. I was really disappointed. Yes, well, at the end of the day, it's whiteness. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I was really upset by both of them. Yeah, it's a lack of compassion and ageism too, like mixed into all of it. There's, there's always been this feeling of like, yeah, if I've gone through it, you need to go through it, um, without yep. acknowledging just like the times have changed and we know better. One hundred percent. Right. There's this. You know how you know people. It's like boom, Gen X gets lost. But I'm Gen X. But it's sort of like, okay, boomer, right? And then make the boomers complain about the millennials, and then Gen X is sort of like, oh, yeah, we're here. We're going to sit over here in the corner, like, with a glass of wine and, like, just chill out. But it's the whole idea that, in many ways, for those of us who are Gen X, I feel like we created space. We didn't fix it all, but we created space for some of our younger folks to be able to get out there and say what's important to them. So, again, I come back to this idea. I commend her for naming her truth, for standing with it, like, for being clear and just not letting people move her. Those boundaries that she set, those are going to have repercussions forever and, and good on her for doing it. Yeah. How can the media and all of and fans even be better in terms of how we approach this right now moving forward? Two things. I, one thing I will say right up front is if you don't have the kinds of identities or lived experience that will allow you to have insight, that's one of those times when we might have to be quiet. So one thing I tweeted was, I think for some of our colleagues, what they needed to say was, I don't understand her experience. I don't have anything that even approximates her lived experience. I'm going to sit this one out. I think the second thing is the more we, we talk about and normalize conversations around mental health, as you all both know, like in, infinitely, that, you know, the, the more people will feel comfortable talking about these things. So those are the two things I say. We normalize. If it has nothing to do with you, it's okay to not say anything. You can be quiet. That That is the thing. To don't, be quiet and yes. keep your opinion to yourself. Yes. <laughs> Minding your business is free and you don't got to say nothing. <laughs> Dr. Alfie, we love you. Find out more about Dr. Alfie's nonprofit, The Acoma Project, and also her podcast, Couched in Color. You're amazing. Have a great rest of your night. You too. Love you guys. Bye. Love you. 
Coming up, Coachella is coming back to the desert. The big announcement next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up this hour of the show, what local newspapers can do to help reduce polarization. Because there's a lot of that these days, as we know. Plus, we've got more details coming out of Mariah Carey's memoir, Why Some People Are Mad, Including Her Family. That's in the tea report. Yeah, it's getting messy. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. VP Kamala Harris is on Forbes and Know Your Values 50 over 50 list. That's the type of list that I'm talking about. You know, we see all the 30 and the 30. Let's honor those that are the elders. Wow, you're just so excited to be able to have a I'm list. just saying. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get on a list. Right. Anyway, here uh, Kamala is in an exclusive interview with Mika Brzezinski on Morning Joe. Like I, again, tell a lot of people I mentor, I eat no for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, so have I been told many times during my career um, things from, oh, you're too young, it's not your turn, they're not ready for you, um, you, no one like you has done it before? I've heard all of those things many times over the course of my career, but I didn't listen. And I would encourage anyone who's been told that, whatever their gender, to not listen, because again, don't be encumbered by the inability of others to see the potential of who you are. That's the inspiration we all needed today. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis kicked off Pride Month by signing an anti-trans bill into law, the first explicitly anti-LGBTQ plus law in the state in more than a decade. And the human rights campaign has promised to sue over it. So that's uh, very unfortunate happening in Florida today as we kick off Pride Month. But we've got some good news for all the music festival Coachella fans out there. Coachella is returning. They announced this today, April 15th to the 17th and April 22nd to 24th of 2022. Woo! Get your flower crowns ready if those are still in style. Wow. You can register now to access the 2022 advanced sale beginning this Friday, June 4th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern at Coachella.com. I didn't even realize that you could break up the payments, too. All this, you know, payment program stuff makes us all spend more money. And uh, that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, so Mariah Carey is being, uh, you know, sued by her brother because of her memoir. It is time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, You know, Mariah Carey, she released her tell-all memoir. And honestly, um, she has to speak out about this because uh, she's saying she didn't defame her brother like he is claiming uh, when she portrayed him as violent and her tell-all. Morgan Carey is his name, sued his sister in March, claiming she defamed him, um, saying that he is not violent and he was not violent when they were growing up. But Mariah Carey, uh, she basically told the Manhattan Supreme Court in uh, papers that were filed that Morgan's suit should be tossed out for a myriad of reasons, including that the book's message of her personal triumph over adversity is a matter of public of interest, or a public interest. She basically claims um, 
Her claim means that a legal higher standard would be required to prove, uh, for Morgan to prove defamation. Um, she basically says this, guess what? I'm so famous, everybody wanna know my life, and so I can tell my business in the way that I wanna tell it. Uh, she really wants to encourage young people who are also facing difficult um upbringings. And so, I mean, it's kind of weird to have your brother suing you. I feel like this happens, unfortunately, with people who get famous. It's weird. I'm, I, it's, but also, I know Mariah Carey's a uh, little bit of her history, and her and her siblings, even her mom, it's all been very dysfunctional. Um, it's not really been good, and of course, she did not hold back. I didn't read her memoir. I watched the hour-long conversation that she had with Oprah um, that I felt like, oh, okay, that's basically me reading the book. <laughs> um, but if you want to check it out, it's it's pretty intense. Um, basically, he's even upset about a moment where he, it, I guess a passage made him look like he was very violent towards their father, father when in reality their dad who died in 2002 was the abusive one. Uh, his suit says the violence was entirely one-sided. Um, and yeah. Oh, he kind of cute. Wait a second. I just saw oh, a is he going to change it now? No, no, no. He can still be an a-hole, but still be cute. Yeah, Mariah Carey's beautiful. Not saying she's a, you know. She's a good-looking family. Yeah, oh my God, he is delicious looking. Either way, shame don't, on you don't for get suing. Distracted. Same on you for suing. Um, and, oh my God, also in February, Mariah Carey's sister sued her as well. Wow. So the whole family's family. pissed. All in the, the family. The whole family is upset. Girl, I don't know what Mariah Carey's going to do, but hopefully she gets it thrown out because it's really not fair. That's your T-Reports. I got more pop culture stories trending right now coming up next hour. But before we go, I got to tell you. <laughs> I was going to say she could just sing some high notes. Well, I don't even understand the she reference. She sings so many high notes. Uh, but know. I don't, I still don't even understand. That's what she could do to deal with all these problems. Just sing high notes. Okay, go. All right, so during Pride Month, guess what? Channel Q is partnering with Rouse and Food for Less and the Los Angeles LGBT Center to help fill the fridge for homeless LGBT youth and seniors in need. Please text FRIDGE, F-R-I-D-G-E, to 20357 to donate the Los Angeles LGBT Pride Pantry. So donations are being doubled by Rouse and Food for Less. If you didn't know this, thousands of elderly LGBT seniors don't have enough food to eat each month. So you can make a difference with a $25 donation to the Los Angeles LGBT Center Pride Pantry providing an entire week's worth of grocery. I mean, literally, just by $25, that's incredible. Help us fill the fridge by texting FRIDGE to 20357 to donate. That is F-R-I-D-G-E to 20357 to donate. And of course, all the donations are being doubled by Ralph's and Food for Less. So very excited that we're doing something very special during this Pride season to kick off Pride season. Get into it, honey. I love it. Let's raise some money together. Why not? Now coming up, the research behind why it's difficult to understand what it's like to be poor if you've never been in that situation. That's next. She was like, oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Do not bring me into this. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A recent study in the Journal of uh, Social, Psychological, and Personality Science reveals the mindset of those who have power or who are wealthy. 
And joining us right now is Dr. Pamela Smith, Associate Professor of Management at UC San Diego, who was one of these schools behind this. Thanks for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. So how did you conduct this study to measure empathy and more of those who are in positions of power or who have money? Well, we actually did several studies to look at this. In some of the studies, we actually manipulated how much power people had. So we put them in groups where they were either in a position where somebody else made the decisions or they themselves were the ones who made the decisions. And then we also had a study or two where we just simply measured how powerful people felt. And what we found across both of those studies is that when you had more power or when you even felt more powerful, you felt, you, well, first off, you felt like you yourself had more choice. That's not very surprising. But what we were surprised to find is you felt like other people had more choice. When you saw somebody just acting out, in the, you know, doing stuff out in the world, you were more likely to label their behaviors as choices. And then in particular, we, wanted, we were interested in, well, what implications does this have? And we, so we also gave people scenarios where they imagined, you know, imagine you encountered somebody who was in a car accident. Imagine you have a subordinate working for you, and that person makes a lot of errors on a task. And in a variety of situations like that, we found that the person who had more power or who felt more powerful blamed these people more when bad things happened to them. And they were even more willing to punish them. So I'm going to be honest with you. Um, yeah. When I saw this article in your, your research, it kind of feels like a dumb moment. Like this is kind of the something <laughs> that I would, you know, all of us already know. So what's the importance behind a study like this? What are you wanting everyone to kind of understand from this? So... I feel you. I hear you on that. Um, so, you know, there's, so this, the simplistic answer is I'm a professor, I'm a researcher, I want to see the full data. But then there's also the reality of I could also have painted you a picture that was the exact opposite. Right. Like I could I could have said to you, oh, powerful people, they want to let everybody know how special they are. So they're totally aware that they have much more choice than everybody else. You know, there's there's a way you could have imagined the opposite story being true. So that's why we were like, we want to study this. I do agree that if you there's a lot of anecdotal evidence out there where, yeah, this these results do resonate. Um, and I think the other thing that um, we found important when we did this research was to make sure that this was really about having power per se, um, about gaining power, getting power, as opposed to um, you could also imagine a scenario where, oh, we like to give narcissistic people power. And that's why this stuff happens. And there might be some reasons people might think we like to give narcissists power, <clears throat> but what we wanted to show that that's not just about that, that, hey, if people in general, when they get power, they tend to take on this mindset. Interesting. And does, it, does this um, connect to people who were poor and then become rich? Do they have empathy for those who have been in the, or their position because they've been there? You know, that's an interesting question, and that funny you ask about that. 
I don't know of much data out there about no. that right now, and I've been talking to a colleague about collecting data on that. That's that interesting. Because that, yeah. inter- mm, that is particularly interesting. Like, because you, again, you know, human beings are, we're really good at imagining stories, right? So I could imagine, on the one hand, oh, you know what it was like, so you can empathize. But I can also imagine a scenario where somebody might think, well, I pulled myself up. Why isn't everybody else doing it? And we see that. So how, that's why. Um, how can this change policy? Because I, I think that is a big reason why we do studies like this to have data. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things, and and notice, I think I'm. I was excited that this research is getting some airplay. I think it's especially relevant as you see recent news stories coming out where people are asking questions like oh, well, why aren't unemployed people signing up for certain kinds of jobs? Why are unemployed people unemployed in the first place? And I feel like as I see some narratives getting pushed out there about what are these people doing, um, I think it's important to remind everyone of like, hey, you know, especially if you're in a position with not much power, you don't have a lot of choice. And... I mean, we have not tested any interventions yet, but I'm hopeful that if we can start reminding people that we need to think much more carefully about other people, people's contexts, right. other people's mm-hmm. situations. Well, if you ever want to... Oh, sorry. Hmm? I, I'll I, go on. Well, I was just saying, if you ever want to test um, the, the poor person being rich again and how my worldview would change, I'm here for you. <laughs> Very much. We'll just... I see. Um, you know, we'll we'll get in touch then, and I'll figure out how. You'll, you'll let me know how much money I should ask for in that grant. Yes, <laughs> there yes. you go. Uh, thank you again. That was Dr. Pamela Smith, Associate Professor of Management at UC San Diego. Have a great night. You too. Bye bye. Very good sense of humor too. Mm-hmm. Saying, let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, as the lines between opinion and news blur for many, trust in media continues to decrease. And experts are saying that local news sources like daily newspapers and local TV news programs could be the answer. Joining us right now is Joshua Dar, Assistant Professor of Political Communications at Louisiana State University. Thanks for being here for this. Yeah, thanks for having me. And it's not just uh, local news. This article that caught our attention in the conversation.com specifically mentions opinion pages focusing on local issues that might be able to help with polarization. How? Yeah, so what we found was a, a local newspaper actually out in Palm Springs, California, um, dropped all their national politics content from their opinion page, um, which meant that there was more space for local stuff, for California issues, um, for Palm Springs City issues, stuff in the Coachella Valley. Uh, and there was less space to talk about the national parties, you know, less Democrat versus Republican. And the thing about the opinion page is that it doesn't have to be professional journalists. It can be local people. It can be somebody who runs a nonprofit in the community. It can be people who are passionate about a specific local issue instead of, you know, syndicated columnists, which had been about a third of their content and then dropped to none uh, for a month. Why is there such discourse around opinion journalism? Especially, it feels like people are so confused about what it actually is supposed to be. Yeah, people don't really know what it is. Um, I think the word opinion is, you know, gets people on their heels a bit in that they think they're just reading, you know, someone's opinion about something. 
But when doing this book, it sort of occurred to me, and, and I found in the research, that it's the least professional place in the newspaper, or at least it can be. Right. So it's a place for non-journalists to have their voice heard, to sort of be amplified in a community. Um, so it was really cool to see that, that the opinion page has all this potential that if you can get past that, like opinion equals bias kind of original frame that you might have. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities there. But I have a question. Even with opinion pieces, especially, let's say, if you're writing for a CNN or an NBC News, you still have to kind of keep, like stay to an to a editorial guideline. You have to make sure you get certain facts and you're sourcing back to things and making sure. not just sh- lying. Yeah, you can't just lie. And so <laughs> there, there has to be, there's some thin line, right, when it comes to these things. Well, for me, that's the advantage of doing this in a local newspaper. This isn't a message board, right? There's an opinion editor, and that editor has to make sure that, like you say, it meets those editorial standards. So this was actually quite a bit of work for the for the Desert Sun out in Palm Springs because they were editing work that they weren't, you know, people who weren't used to writing for the opinion page, and that takes a little bit more work. So it's a place to get non-journalist voices into the newspaper, but also have them meet those editorial standards. Whereas if this, you know, if, if some of these community conversations are happening on Facebook and Nextdoor, you're not getting that kind of editorial stuff. Um, so you're right. At any level, uh, you're getting, you know, good journalistic edited content, but you're getting it from real people in the community. Yeah, that's also um, assuming that local n- news sources, like you're mentioning, aren't even around anymore. It's hard for these publishers to even survive. Very difficult. Yeah. Um, We've had many, many newspaper closures, and even the ones that are left are increasingly owned by hedge funds that are gutting them and selling Mm -hmm. off their buildings and and that sort of thing. And so I think our study shows the value of of having not only newspapers, but people to staff the newspapers. You know, they had an opinion editor at Palm Springs. They did the work. Uh, Actually, that opinion editor later took a buyout from Gannett when it was offered. Um, and then the community came together to fundraise so that they could hire another one. Wow. So it's probably, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah we didn't, you know, that, that all happened after the book was already was already done. Um, but it, it, the story continues out there. That's so interesting that they, they felt like it impacted their community so much that they raised money for an opinion editor. That's wild. I'm just wondering, you know, what's the other side of this, right? Because if they're kind of, if we start to see opinion journalism just go away like not even just go away do you think it there's a possibility that it will because our country's so divided at this point everyone has opinions on everything it seems like it's it's kind of like a necessary thing that it helps kind of shift what we what we believe and what we see in, in a way that i feel like it hasn't impacted us culturally in the past like it is now post you know trump administration yeah, exactly. There's there's no shortage of opinions on Trump. I mean, we found that when you when you took that out, it was about a third of the opinion page that was gone. <laughs> it was, it was just, <laughs> wow. in a local newspaper in you know in California, that's how much people want to talk about Trump. So, you know, I think opinion journalism can be just that back and forth between the two major parties. It can just be what do you think about the president, but it can also be a lot more than that. And there's mm-hmm. so much more that affects people. Um, that, you know, the journalists might want to talk about, but also that non-journalists will have opinions on and they need to find a voice in their newspaper or they're going to go find that voice elsewhere. Like I said, in some of these non-edited uh, Facebook and Nextdoor groups that can really, you know, get pretty ritualic pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, so I think opinion journalism might have a bad reputation, but I also think it can be 
part of the solution, as we saw. And, and just what's your best opinion quickly? We have like 20 seconds of how someone can pitch their opinion piece to a local news source. That's a, that's a great point. I mean, most local newspapers will have a contact page that, that will tell you who the editor is. And, you know, they will often lay out what the guidelines are. So keep it short, uh, 500 to 600 words for the piece and just, you know, send a quick, well-edited pitch. And, uh, you know, they want your content. Uh, right. they, they really do want to hear from you. Okay, that was Joshua Dar, Assistant Professor of Political Communications at Louisiana State University. Uh, thanks again for this. We appreciate it. Thank you. Coming up, what this customer recorded seeing at Whole Foods that has many people pretty grossed out. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. I think this is our first TikTok convo today. This is like a oh uh, record God. that we've only had one TikTok conversation. Save me from the TikTok <laughs> stories. Why? Uh, this is where things are going viral. Moments. In life. No, there's other moments happening everywhere else besides TikTok. It's like sometimes I'm working with a 17-year-old. You know, I try. Well, a video shared on TikTok by Define Brit, that's the username, shows a mouse eating veal shank in the deli case in a New York City branch of Whole Foods. I don't know what you said. <laughs> so in the video, she goes, why is there... A mouse. Now, this oh, has gotten you, you like millions of views. Uh, I don't know if it's it's hard to hear, but we can play it. I don't know if we... Do we have it? Oh, yeah. I mean, right. we have something. Let's play it. This is your fault a if moment. it doesn't work out. Of course. <laughs> Why is there a mouse? <laughs> That's pretty much it. Wow. Um, I told you it was she, she, I, I she zooms in and you just hear her say, Why is there a mouse? Uh, so this person who has now been identified as Brittany Ellis said she and her mom were grocery shopping when they took a break near the deli section to answer a phone call. Ne- next thing they know it, someone goes, oh, my God, that's disgusting. Looking closer, they see it's a little tiny mouse just chewing away like it was nothing. And all of them were shocked. I mean, at Whole Foods? I thought this was a high-end establishment. But you know what? Mice could be anywhere. A fancy place or not fancy place? Are we talking about the the mice pandemic? Uh, not the mice pandemic, but you know, Australia has an overwhelming amount of mice. There, well, like it's like it's like Australia it's like a plague. It's like a plague of mice happening in Australia right now. They're everywhere because there's also like a lack. Of, there's not as many cats, and you know, like cats help. I'm, I'm not it's lying the food to you. I chain. saw the video literally in the far, like in the. It happens in more of the the kind of rural regions where people in the the farming areas were like opening doors, and it would just be my, like thousands of mice just scattering, lifting up hay. Oh thousands of mice. Just a mat. I mean, it's there's a mouse. Um, there's something happening with the maps. Well, also what mice, happened mice. is uh, because of the restaurant closures, uh, they didn't have a lot to eat, so they were going in other places. Uh, now that things are opening Was, up. Did that come from issue. an exclusive interview from a mouse? It seemed yep. like you had some exclusive <laughs> knowledge from that mouse about what their game plan was. <laughs> I mean, mouse whisperer. Like, has anyone been the mouse whisperer? This could be a thing. Like, sure, On TikTok, mouse whisperer. Well, Whole Foods has made a statement. They told this to the site Daily Dot. We take this situation very seriously. We immediately removed and disposed of all products in the case, performed a deep cleaning, and brought in a third-party service for a thorough inspection. <gasps> oh, this happened like at, at uh, KFC as well. You know, when they sometimes fry the the mouse like falls into the oil and gets fried. Oh, that's you just... ain't seen that. Well, a lot of people were leaving comments. Uh, one of them says, "Well, at least the mu- mouse was organic." Oh, 
<laughs> Another person says, I worked in groceries for years. Believe me, there's definitely rats in your local store. High end or not, sometimes they come in the truck pallets. That's what I'm talking about. So just be aware. That's why I just stay with the veggies. And this was an ad for being a vegetarian. No, I'm kidding. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yeah. Yes, Queen is doing something good and is brought to you by Ralph's and Food for Less. Please support the Los Angeles LGBT Center Pride Pantry by texting FRIDGE to 20357. That's FRIDGE to 20357 to make a donation today. Donations are doubled by Ralph's and Food for Less. This is a great way to begin Pride, so please support a great cause with us today. Uh, which I love. It's all about inspiration and action here. Well, yeah, because, you know, thousands of elderly LGBT seniors don't even have enough food to eat each month. And honestly, that breaks my heart to hear. Mm -hmm. And like a simple donation of, let's just say, like, what, $25 could actually impact it so much where that's an entire week worth of groceries. So get involved, seriously, because you're, you're not only helping LGBT seniors, but you're also helping homeless LGBT youth. That is true. And so that gets a Yaz Queen and you who donate. And another shout out on our Yaz Queen of the Day to the beauty brand Morphe, who recently teamed up with the Trevor Project, creating a limited edition collection called Live With Love. And a full 100% of the collection's proceeds go to help the organization's suicide prevention and crisis intervention services for LGBTQ plus youth. I love this because it's not just proceeds. It's 100%, which is really awesome. And this is only the latest Pride partnership for the brand. They've already raised almost a million dollars, $895,000 for LGBTQ plus youth and students over the years. And they've teamed up with Todrick Hall for this latest one. He's been on the show. He's a friend. Um, and yeah, he's really happy uh, with with this partnership. He says, according to the statement, I feel like more than ever, people want to be motivated and want to be uplifted. They want to be reminded how beautiful they are. So for me to be doing my first collaboration with a beauty company was perfect dim- timing and during Pride. So congrats to Chadrick Hall, to Morphe for this. Uh, you could check it out. It's called Live With Love out now and keep supporting the Trevor Project, not just during Pride, but all year long. And uh, that does it for our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. If you want to nominate anyone for a Yes Queen of the Day or just pitch a story for us to cover on the show, just slide it into our DMs at LGT Show. We love to hear from you. Now, coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about a company who wants to make sex toys more accessible for people with disabilities. Plus, we are highlighting leaders in the LGBTQ plus community. We have President and CEO of GLAAD, Sarah Kate Ellis, joining us on the show tomorrow. And a reminder, we're live here on Channel Q weekdays, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, And if you miss any of our shows, we post everything as a podcast. So just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering couples, conflict, and mindfulness. Okay, that's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.